Welcome to episode one. Before we get to my special guest today, I want to share a special music memoir with you. Many, many moons ago, I was a 14-year-old aspiring drummer growing up in South Florida during the heyday of 80s heavy metal. If you are not from that era, you would not think that South Florida was a hotbed for metal music and metalheads, but I assure you it was very much so. In my youth, I went to many heavy metal concerts. My first metal concert was seeing Motley Crue on the Shot at the Devil tour, which right there alone would have been great. But the bonus was they were not the main act. They were opening up for Ozzy Osbourne on his Bark at the Moon tour. And what a band that was. Jakey Lee on guitar, Rudy Sarzo on bass, and Tommy Aldridge on drums, of course, with Ozzy on vocals. I actually cried when that concert was over as the curtain came down and Ozzy's lyrics from So Tired came across to PA. Time has come to say goodbye. And I remember sobbing, no, it can't be over, etc. But one of my favorite metal shows I ever saw was going to see Ronnie James Dio in October of 1980-something on his Sacred Heart tour at the Hollywood Sportatorium in Hollywood, Florida. And let me tell you about this place, the Hollywood Sportatorium. It was a dump. A large, huge cement shack, basically, with a tin roof. Not conducive for great sound for concerts. But it had a ton of seats, and that's where most of the hard rock concerts end up happening in South Florida during the 1970s and 1980s. Uh, And that place was out in the middle of the nowhere. It would take forever to get out there, just two lanes to get out there, one each way. And traffic would be backed up for miles. And once you got out there, I mean, it was like Woodstock or something. And you got out there and you were out there after a concert, it would take you forever to get home. And that's just how it was. Those of you that uh, maybe lived there or went to Hollywood Sportatorium, you remember. And uh, tons of crazy parties out front there. It was it was wild. Uh, they don't they don't they don't do that. They don't do concerts like that anymore. Let's put it that way. Anyway, back to the concert. So I was going to see Ronnie James Dio. Dio was metal royalty, and I actually went to see him not once but twice on this tour as he came back again the following June, which was actually really special because when they came back, they had the German band Accept open up the show, and that was special because lead singer Udo Dirkschneider was still with them. And this guy, Udo, he was a smaller stature of a guy, but raging like with the energy of 10 men, and he had this intense, high-pitched shrieking blood-curdling voice and um if you if you everyone check it out check out accepts big hit it's called balls to the wall it's amazing and i got to see that band open up for dio so that was special and they uh, they tore down the house that night one of only two times actually i've ever seen a german band the other time was the scorpions at the monsters of rock concert uh summer of uh, 1988 but anyway, back to Dio. Dio's voice and stage presence, incredible. Plus the musicians, Vivian Campbell on guitar, Jimmy Bain on bass, Claude Schnell on keyboards, and Vinnie Apice on drums were all metal gods to us as kids that day. And the stage show that Dio had, complete with castles, a dragon with laser beam eyes, smoke, pyrotechnics. I mean, that's everything this 14-year-old boy could ever want in a metal show, right? So, but before, before my Dio concert experience happened, I encountered my first rock star moment. I attended this show with my best friend at the time, Adam Shefferman, rest in peace. And we decided to walk all the way to the very back of the mammoth venue to see if we could, you know, catch a glimpse of a peep of one of the metal gods in the band. Um, the band that was opening was this really good new band called Rough Cut. Um, and they, they did a really cool cover of, um, 
piece of my heart, Janis Joplin, and they, they, they just a great album. Check out Rough Cut, especially their first record. They were opening the show, and we'd just become fans of them because my friend Adam had the cassette tape, and he's like, hey, we got to learn this because they're opening up for Dio, yada, 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 right? So we would check out that tape and prepare for the concert, of course, as we normally would for any concert we went to. Um, so going back there and maybe meeting Rough Cut or seeing them would have been just as satisfying for us. So we get to the back gate, and we are the only two people standing there. And we see the tour buses, and we see, then we see Dio keyboardist Claude Chanel and drummer Vinny Apice walking between the buses. And I remember waving and yelling, you know, Claude, Vinny. And of course, our prepubescent voices carried with a shrieking intensity that obviously caught the ears of the two of them. And could it be that they're turning around? They're, they're walking this way. They see us. And literally, they had to walk, I don't know, probably 50, 60 paces to get over to where we were. They didn't have to come over. But I think they saw these two boys over there like, let's go say hi. And just like that, uh, they came over and made our 14-year-old dreams come true. They were really sweet. And uh, thank God I had my camera as Claude and Vinny posed for photos with us and were really nice to say hello. And that was my very first time meeting a rock and roll star. And it's seared in my memory so clearly that I, I still remember the joy that I had that, you know, I just met Vinny and Claude and the show hadn't even started yet. Um, but, you know, with the camera, I was just hoping and praying that my camera, you know, got that shot. Now, those of you, you know, we're all used to the digital age of camera where you can instantly see your image, right? But back then, 1980-something, that's not how it was. You took a picture and then you had no way of knowing until like three days later if that shot came out right, right? You had to drop your film off at like a Walgreens or a photo development center and wait like three days and then, you know, painstakingly wait and then come back and be like, see if you got that image on film. And luckily, you know, I picked up the film and it came out as you, as you uh, can see on um, my social media pages if you've seen the picture yet. And the, the pictures were great. What an experience. The concert, Ronnie James Dio concerts were great. And I uh, went to some other shows and eventually time went by. The years passed and the wonderful heyday of heavy metal came and went. So sad, right? Life went on and metal music kind of became a little bit less a priority in my adult life. Now, let's fast forward 35 years later. A few weeks ago, I noticed uh, that two of the members of the original Dio lineup, guitarist Vivian Campbell, who I mentioned, and drummer Vinny Apice were playing a show here in Nashville at the Cannery Ballroom with their newer band called Last in Line. Uh, Last in Line is, is started, I think, as a tribute band to Ronnie James Dio when he passed away to keep his music alive. But since then, they've written some originals, and I think they've recorded two albums. Um, so, and, and it's obviously uh, the title of the band, Last in Line, is taken after Ronnie James Dio's second solo album called Last in Line. So they were coming to Nashville, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to try and meet Vinny. I'm going to go to the show, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this photo, you know, 35 years later after that experience I had, and, you know, just for kicks and, and see what he says. Not only did I plan that, though, I also made a copy of the photo for Vinny, and I signed it as a joke, right? <laughs> like, you know, here I am signing it and giving it to this metal god, you know. And I put it in a, a frame for him, and I went to the show. And let me tell you, the Last in Line show was incredible. The, bound, the band sounded so tight, and they ripped through all the Stellar Dio classics. I mean, I mean, you name it, they played it. You know, Rainbow in the Dark, We Rock, The Chains Are On, like Egypt, like all this stuff. And they were great. And they also had some great originals. And they had an incredible uh, new lead singer, I know, I don't want to say, I'm saying new because he's new to me, but Andrew Freeman just tore it up, man. That guy, they couldn't have picked anybody better to sing that Dio material. 
And uh, all the metalheads my age and older were there, including some younger people whose parents turned them on the music. And it was really cool to see younger people getting exposed to this classic heavy metal music, you know. And that's one thing I like to talk about is um, being in education and stuff is seeing the younger people getting exposed to music, people playing live music and influencing young people to pick up instruments and play again instead of just pressing a button and go, look, I'm an artist, you know. Um, So... I walked in the venue and I was re- very anxious to share the photo with someone. So I, w- I saw the lady working at the merch table and I went up and I just couldn't help myself. I was like, hey, I- I've got to show you something. And of course, this lady probably wondering who the hell is this guy? What, what is he going to do? And I pull out the photo of Vinny, Epicy and I from years ago, 35 years ago to be exact. And he said, oh, she said, oh, my God, Vinny, you know, look at that. And she says, I'm Vinny's girlfriend. I'm like, wow, I'm, well, it's nice to meet you. She says, he, he'll probably be coming out after the show. She's like, I'll give it to him if you want. And I said, well, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to stay for the show. And I'd like to maybe meet him and give it to him. She's like, oh, sure, I'm sure he'll be out. I said, thanks a lot. So halfway through the set, I'm watching them. And they're just just cranking out the Dio classics. And they sound amazing. Vivian Campbell is, Campbell is shredding. And, and Vinny sounds great. And, um, you know, the... Um, Phil Susan from Ozzy was on bass. And of course, Andrew Freeman did a great job on vocals. But anyhow, I came out and I saw, I saw her again. And forgive me, I forget her name, but uh, I said, they sound great. She's like, they do, don't they? I'm like, They're, they sound amazing. And why wouldn't they, of course, though, right? They've stood the test of time. You know, metal gods are just that, gods. And we are so lucky that there are still some of the great metal gods around like these guys. You know, go see Last in Line if you have the chance. Um, anyhow, after the show, I waited patiently for about 20 minutes as the room cleared out, and I just waited near the merch table, and Vinny Epicy comes out and speaks to a few music industry bigwigs that obviously knew him from over the years. I didn't know who they were, and um, as I wait for kind of a clear moment to approach him from the side, there's a small line that gathers in front of him, and I'm kind of standing next to him, so I wait a few minutes, people are talking to him, and finally I edge my way in nicely, and Vinny acknowledges my presence, and I say, hey, Vinny, I'm Chad, I've got something to show you. And he's like, what? And I pull out the photo. And he's like, whoa. He's like, where was this? And I said, Hollywood Sportatorium, Florida. And he's like, where? I said, Hollywood Sportatorium. And he goes, oh. He goes, is that you? And I said, yes. And he laughed and he showed the photo to the two guys in front of him. He's like, this is him. You know, and that was cool. And I pull out my phone and I ask, hey, can we get a photo redo? To which he obliges. And here's the funny part. I go to hand my phone to the guy directly in front of Vinny and I, and I say, hey, man, uh, would you mind taking a photo of us? Now, I'm not really looking up, so I don't recognize who it is. And the guy, again, who I don't recognize at this moment, is freaking Kip Winger. (laughs) Kip Winger from Winger. Holy crap. You know, I didn't realize this, however, you know, until he says, he says, no, man, I'm just trying to say goodbye to my friend really quick. And he was nice. But then then I finally realized oh, crap, I just asked Kip Winger to take a photo of me with Vinny Epicy. What an idiot I am, you know? Stupid, 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 you know? <laughs> so luckily the guy next to him takes the photo. He's really nice, and he takes two shots of Vinny and I reenacting the classic shot, all the while Vinny is holding the original shot photo from 35 years ago. And, man, that was awesome. And I, I thanked Vinny, and I thanked his girlfriend at the merch table for being so kind, and I left. The next day... I uh, posted the photos on my Instagram and Facebook feeds and the last in line band reposted the photo of us. And that was the coolest ending to a special heavy metal reunion that took 35 years in the making. Unbelievable.
And staying on topic and staying the course with this rocking memoir I just told you about, I would like to segue to a wonderful interview with a different heavy-hitting drummer, Kyle Stevenson from the iconic hard rock band Helmet. Kyle Stevenson has been in the Helmet drum chair since 2006. He is responsible for holding down all the killer drum beats that help drive the energy of such classics as Helmet's In the Meantime, Unsung, and many more. He's also recorded great original drum tracks for several Helmet albums over the past 14 years and toured the world a few times over with the band. I originally met Kyle in 2015 on the 20th anniversary tour of Helmet's album entitled Betty. One year later, I collaborated with Helmet for a special drumline mashup on Helmet's song Unsung. This took place at the old Masquerade Club in Atlanta. I have seen Kyle play with Helmet a total of eight times, six in the United States, as well as two times overseas. I've hung out with the guys in Helmet a bit, so it makes sense that one of the first people on my list to possibly interview for this new podcast be Kyle. He's a cat that I really admire for all of his stamina, energy, and precise drum work that keeps the Helmet pulse alive and well. I will apologize in advance as this interview was the first one I have done on the Anchor app, which is very easy to use, but occasionally on this recording, the vocal levels can be kind of low and even spike up in volume here and there. I have done some editing to adjust that, but just know that this is my first attempt, okay? So go easy on me, (laughs) my first attempt in capturing an interview. So please bear with me and trust that I will eventually make things smoother for you, the listener. So let's get started. Here's my interview with Kyle Stevenson, drummer for Helmet. Okay, thanks for tuning into Sunday Music Soapbox. And at this time, I would like to introduce our awesome and very first guest today on Sunday Music Soapbox from one of my all-time favorite bands, Kyle Stevenson. Welcome, Kyle. Hello, hello. How are we doing? You in, uh, good, doing well, man. I hope you're doing uh, doing great today. Yep, it's a good good Sunday. Well, thanks thanks for uh, agreeing to be on our, our my little project here and getting this thing going and... Uh, no you sweat. Give, like I said, you give some instant street cred. I appreciate you. Hey, man. No, no sweat. <clears throat> My pleasure. Right on, man. I, uh, I want to start off. I, I met you a while back on uh, when you're uh, touring with Helmet's Betty Reunion in 2015. Yeah. And I, I think I've seen you play with Helmet about seven times now. Two of those dates were overseas, which I had a great time at. Um, yeah. It, amazes, it, it amazes me how much uh, kind of stamina it takes uh, during a helmet set to crank out all the grooves and stuff, you, and the, you know, the beats and the changes in a helmet show that you do. And I eventually want to talk to you about all of that, but maybe we can start with some early points. Sure. Man. With that. Absolutely. And uh, so, so you, you're in LA now, but you're originally from Wisconsin, right? Yeah. I grew up in Wisconsin. I was born in New York, but I grew up in Wisconsin and uh, in a little town outside of Milwaukee. And yeah. Uh, what, which town? It's uh, it's a small town called Oconomowoc. Right on. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's only like maybe ten thousand people. It's real small, real small town. But uh, it was a good place to grow up. But you know, as you can imagine, for the any kind of music scene, there wasn't too much going on. So I moved out to LA in '95, and I've been out here ever since. I actually right. moved here to go to film school, but that didn't work out. So <laughs> oh, here I am. Far now. out. <laughs> far out we'll have to touch on that maybe as well um yeah. what was the what was your musical environment like up in wisconsin like- i mean i grew up around music you know my dad thankfully my dad was into music so there was always music around the house and you know he had a guitar and my, we had a piano i said my first instrument was piano like all most kids you know and uh, uh 
Well, yeah, music was always around, but as far as like, you know, any kind of, I mean, there wasn't any scene or anything, you know, there, there weren't a whole bunch of high school bands or anything like that happening, you know, so it was, you could, if you wanted to see a show, you'd have to go into Milwaukee to, to see anything basically. And unless, you know, yeah, that was pretty much how it was. So it was, it was, if you, unless you were creating it yourself, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. Yeah. Do you have a memorable, like, did you go into Milwaukee for like a memorable concert from younger years or anything that you remember? Yeah. I mean, well, my, let's see, my first, first, I mean, my first real concert, I guess, was probably Rush. Nice. And uh, Neil was always, you know, rest in peace. Neil was always uh, my, he's always been my guy, my, my idol, you know, my hero. I, when I started playing and I got my first drum set when I was 14 and uh you know i was neil was a huge influence on my early years i just listened to everything he did and tried to tried to emulate it you know he was like my first teacher because i never really took lessons so he was definitely a huge influence on my my early years and i never got to meet him but seeing him live was incredible you know as as you as you probably know i'm sure you've seen yeah yeah and uh you know many people never got to meet him you know he was very very yeah he was very very yeah very 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 quiet and uh secluded yep i've read all his yeah. books as I, I think you have too and yeah he's that's how i feel i know him is just by reading his books i wish i would have got to shake his hand at least but uh I, he's uh i got to know him through reading his books he, he puts a lot of himself out there in those so that's at least you got that nice yeah um so tell me about the transition you made then. So what made you, uh, you know, relocate and, and, and trek out to Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to, I, I got accepted to this little film school out here uh, called Columbia College. I don't even know if it's still around. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, I was just kind of looking for any way to get out of, out of where I was, you know, because there was just nothing. My future wasn't too bright where I was, you know, so I wanted to get out here. And I had a friend who would, was going to this school and he he uh told me about it so i applied i got accepted and moved out here in 95 but then within the year i realized that the school was kind of a joke and i got totally turned off from just the whole wanting to be a cinematographer thing so i i stopped going to school and just started working at like skate shops and met some people who were playing in bands and just kind of started doing that you know and then yeah i got my first band that i guess we had first tour i ever did was in uh 99 i was my first band we were on Ozfest actually with like the original black sabbath and everything it was pretty rad to nice to what what was that band those was guys your, what, what band was that? that oh the band was called flashpoint okay yeah it was uh you know whatever kind of a metal hardcore band that we were unsigned actually at the time when we got on there because mm-hmm. my singer or the singer in that band, he was like a bodyguard kind of hell whatever sober guru guy for Ozzy. So that's how we got on the tour. And uh, nice. it was great. I mean, it was a hell of an experience as my first tour ever, you know, so it was, it was like, yeah, it was like heavy metal summer camp, you know, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, do you, would you feel like you, like you cut your teeth on that group? Is that one of the, you know, other than, so there wasn't that was the first well that was my first i mean that band formed out of a different band that was like the first band i was in in la yeah so um yes like i would say you know on a somewhat professional level like you know we put a record out and did some bunch of touring so that was kind of 
my entry into the world, the the rock world there. And then <clears throat> as most bands do, that fell apart after a couple of years. And, uh, and then I just was in a, a few other bands. I was in this other band called Big Collapse, which was actually one of my favorite bands of the early years. You know, we just we were on an indie label and we just toured our asses off for like three. We put a record out and just toured nonstop for like two or three years. And uh, just yeah. that's that was really the cutting my teeth phase i think because we did a lot of touring and for you know played in front of tens of people or sometimes less you know so yeah. it was definitely yeah. uh but that's yeah it was a struggle but that's how i that's you know that's how you yeah i really i really got into the groove by doing that you know <clears throat> well that's that's the way to do it man you know people there's there's and i'm doing another episode about the youth movement um here you know kids in these bands now they're you know 18 19 21 years old you know out there yeah. getting in a van touring <clears throat> and doing it you know because everybody wants to make it big on social media and you know you right. get x amount of hits and you might be on ellen degeneres next week or whatever <laughs> you know and that's it's you know yeah. it's, it's kind of i like how the pendulum's kind of swinging back to live music and and getting out there and actually you know there's there's really no substitute for for you know really getting out there and, and uh cutting your teeth and doing it the right way and in, in my yeah opinion, for sure i mean part it's... of my soapbox that i'll be talking about <clears> on here but um so um so the, the whole thing with with helmet now how long have you been with helmet now uh, i joined helmet in 2006 okay. so what are we it's, i guess 14 years now yeah wow and, so... and uh, share with us share with us about how that came about uh, let's see. Well, Paige and I have some mutual friends, essentially, is the the uh, the deal. So I was working with this guy, Billy, who lived with uh, John Tempesta, who played also played in Helmet before I did. And yeah. uh, so he's a good friend of mine. They're both good friends of mine. And uh, <clears throat> we were working on, I don't know, Billy and I were working one day and he said he said Paige was looking for a new drummer and uh you know, I was like, well, shit, I, I listened to Helmet forever and I knew all the songs. So I was like, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I got in touch with Paige and I came down for an interview, yeah, an audition. And, uh, yeah, he had me, I think he had me learn, he had me learn like four songs. Two of them were new ones and the other two I already knew. So, uh, two of them were from off the record monochrome, which was the, the last one that had come out before I joined the band. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Anyway, there was always a guy leaving when I got there, and there was a guy waiting to get in when I when I was <laughs> yeah. done, you know. But uh, right, that word the first one went well, and he had me come back for like two or three more auditions, and I, I you know, I got the gig. And, That's and great. Here I am, fourteen years later, still, still doing it. Surprisingly, well, you did you did something right. You did something. Yeah, right, I bro. guess uh, something, something clicked. <laughs> you know, you got to you got to yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and speaking of that, so having to learn, you know. I, I wanted to speak about, you know, you had to learn a lot of the original drum parts that came before you. Yeah. Um, and, and by John Stanier, who was the original helmet drummer is now in the battles and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, no, was, was that, great. was that hard to do? I mean, you said you knew some of the stuff where the, was there any tricky stuff to that or was that? Oh yeah, there's tons of definitely tons of tricky stuff. Um, but you know, it was just, like I said, I was familiar with the me. Maybe I didn't, I didn't know every song on the drums, but I knew, the material well you know yeah. what i mean because i'd always listened yeah. to helmet ever since pretty much from meantime on so i uh you know i yeah the music was kind of logged up in my brain so i just had to go you know learn the uh the ins and outs of the what was john was doing and 
and it was it was you know he was always a big influence on my drumming anyway so it wasn't that much of a stretch you know what i mean so yeah yeah and uh yeah just you know just when i when i joined the band you know i think the the pool of songs that we were playing was maybe maybe 20 25 songs total you know and now it's like almost 100 songs yeah, i mean now insane. that we have i mean this well this lineup's been together for 10 years now so it's we got everything pretty much we can pull anything out you know and then on the, the last the reunion tour we just did we were doing a bunch of old kind of rare stuff that people always ask for that we never play so that was that was fun you know we can yeah, uh, man, was, it's fun it's that, fun for us that we can keep it kind of fresh you know we don't always have to just play the same bunch of songs over and over yeah it's it's that must be nice to have such a wide variety of, of tunes to choose from after all these years doing it yeah, and that's yeah, speaking of sure. that 30th anniversary tour that was quite a mammoth achievement i mean you guys did uh helmet did 30th anniversary and then they did 30 cities and each night was 30 songs i it's unbelievable <laughs> like you know i saw the show in dublin um in, back in october and uh, oh yeah it was amazing how you guys tore through that set so efficiently. And I was like, how in the world, you know, do you guys go to the gym and train for some weeks? You know, or you, I mean, you just playing, been playing the songs forever, right? But the stamina yeah. to do well, those well, songs 30, you know, night after night. I mean, tell me about that process. Yeah, it was, you know, uh, I think before, prior to that tour, we hadn't played together. You know, we hadn't toured for like a probably a year. So, you know, everybody was kind of on their own as far as getting conditioned and getting prepared so and then we just got with as a band we got together like a week before the tour started and we got together in Prague because that's where that's where the tour started and that's where all uh, you know we get our all of our gear and the bus and everything over there is all it's all yeah. based in Prague so we still which is great it's like one of my favorite cities in the world so we got together and rehearsed over there but before that I personally started, you know, probably I think at least at least two months prior to the tour, I started just playing, you know, playing, uh, getting used to playing that amount of like 30 songs every day. So I would just I'd go to my studio and play for two hours and just, you know, not always play, you know, run through the helmet stuff, but just to just to get my body used to playing for that amount of time and. You know, there's no substitute really for live playing, you know, your adrenaline and everything is ramped up, but you can at least get yourself, you know, as, as ready as you can. And then once we once we started touring, you know, after like a week, we were all kind of we were all into it, you know, and, you know, fell found our groove. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely it was uh, it was not, you know, it was challenging, no doubt, to play that, especially towards the end. We did 30 shows in Europe and 30 shows in the States and by by the end of the the 30 shows in the states you know towards that 60th show it was definitely okay so you did definitely wearing on my body a little bit you know yeah i didn't realize that that you did 30 in us and 30 over there that's wild yeah yeah we, still, we did first we did europe and then we came back and we were home for like a week and then we did 30 more in uh yeah. in the states yeah that's yeah that's that's amazing um and 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 some, some memorable what are some memorable moments from that 30th anniversary tour like moments oh, or cities God. on the tour oh man um geez there's so many you know uh, i mean you guys you guys have great support that's one thing that amazes me i mean you know how long how much been around 30 years right from the it's in our incarnation that is yeah and 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 somewhat removed from 
mainstream radio from from those days but it's still for sure and it's amazing how well the band is received whenever it tours all around the world you know sold out shows and it's it's amazing so it's it's i know you probably have a lot of memorable moments in cities yeah i mean we're very we're totally very lucky that we you know we do have that fan base around the world that still comes out and supports us and you know i think it's because we keep continue to we don't we i mean the band probably dropped off the map for a little while but then pretty much we've been we've been pretty steady with it you know kind of keeping it just by touring keeping it out there you know it's not like we're putting a bunch of new records out all the time but every once in a while we'll put a new record out and just touring you know every being out there and keeping your name out there i think helps you know and yeah we're just we're lucky that that we have uh awesome fans that still still want to hear us play music you know yeah it's and i, th- I think it's wonderful like the albums that come out they, they are every once in a while but it's, it's refreshing you know and i go yeah. back to like rush you know uh you know, they, they could have rested on their laurels with moving pictures probably for the rest of their life, but they, they yeah, pushed right. on and continue to make great and new material, which is what you guys are doing, which is great. Yeah, um, you got you to gotta keep moving. Yeah. When you guys are out there on the road and you have a day off, what, what do you like to do? Um. Well, it depends. I mean, if we're, it depends yeah. on what the day before was. But usually, you know, if it's a cool, if there's, if it's a cool city or something, you get out and try and see some stuff like go to a museum or a park or something. If, or, you know, if, if you have time, a lot of times you don't really have that much time, you know, you roll yeah. into, you get into town and you have a couple hours before you got to start, you know, getting set up. So a lot of times you don't really, you just kind of try to find some food and some coffee and then uh, get, get to work, you know, but if you have a day off, you know, it's nice to, it's nice to get out and go to see, you know, like I said, a museum or see, go to the, you know, go see some stuff, see, see the, some of the culture of the, where you are, you know? So, yeah. Like in, and it's I, obviously more, it's more in Europe, it's different, you know, obviously in the States, it's kind of, I've toured so much in the States that every town, you know, I've been to a hundred times. So there's not a whole lot that I haven't seen already. So sometimes I'm just trying to stay rested and get as much. Yeah as much rest you know because after yeah. you know after a while it starts i'm not getting any younger here you know <laughs> <laughs> Is there, are there any cities or places where like every time you go you like well i've i know i'm tired but i've got to go over i've got to go oh absolutely or, yeah or for gotta, sure you know, definitely yeah. or you know, friends like, yeah what, what's that what'd you say what was the last or part? friends you know friends i'm sure you got people in cities that you, you like to see or you know hang out with so yeah absolutely um, as, as for being there's there's tons of, I mean I'd like anytime you know like I said Prague is one of my favorite cities uh Paris Barcelona Dublin you know there's there's a lot of them that are just you know yeah you have to get out and and see it just because you don't know when the next time you're going to be able to to do that kind of stuff so Yeah. Speaking yeah, of I, Prague are are you an Amadeus movie fan? I mean I'm, I've 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 seen it yeah I wouldn't I'm I'm not like on a quote yeah. level with it or anything but I've, yeah. I remember seeing it a few times when it came out and yeah well, I love they, they, yeah, they they filmed the majority of there in Prague so you can go to all the you know the places and the and Oh the, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting to to see how much they actually filmed there but I wasn't sure if that was on your radar. Um, not the not the movie but we did go to a bar an old old bar that's been there for since Amadeus since Mozart was there around and there I sat in the in the same seat that he used to always sit at, they had like a little plaque on the wall and it said that, you know, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart used to sit here 
in, uh, when he That's was great. in town and stuff. So that, yeah, it was. We definitely That's go. Awesome. We went to see like in Salt or in uh, Vienna. We went to see his his uh, apartment. We went to Beethoven's apartment, stuff like that, which is always really cool to see yeah. those pieces of music history. You know. That's really cool too, and yeah, me being a historian, you know, it's crazy about Mozart because they really, Mozart, they really don't know exactly where he's buried. They know like the vicinity, but he was, you know, buried in a common grave. Oh, really? And, you know, because he didn't have a lot of money when he went at the time, and later his his uh, widow was able to sell off a lot of their works and get back into oh, money. Yeah. But yeah, his his body was in a, so they kind of marked the area in a great with a headstone, but supposedly huh. they don't know exactly where he that's that's the that's the myth anyway that that really don't know exactly where he is but he's somewhere in that vicinity so it's pretty wild um but yeah that's a great city and it's great to know that you guys have uh, been able to get over there and um and and you find uh, between uh europe and the united states i mean fans fans are fans i mean do you do you find that the crowds are different over there you know i think to a degree yeah they're a little more um so, you know, appreciative, I would say it is sometimes, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not that, you know, the fans in the U S are, 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 uh, not appreciative, right. but it just seems it, like it's a different in, in general, like they're more open to newer, like it's a lot of, you know, sometimes an American audience seems a little jaded and just kind of like not as enthusiastic, you know, as you know, some of the, some of the crowds, but all in all, you know, our crowds are pretty rowdy anyway. So it's not really, it's not they're not really that different you know but there are some yeah I've places, been to... like especially like south america they're just out of control they they're <laughs> they're they are insane down there they just they go nuts for it you know it's great yeah it helps you, you, you guys know, did... as you know when you get when you're getting an intense energy off the the crowd it helps you have a good show as well you know yeah and you guys you guys did a show down in south america huh no well we have but not on this tour not on the yeah the reunion tour but we've been down there and i think there's plans to go at some point this year we're trying to it's in the works right now but yeah we've played down there a handful of times awesome yeah i've, I've been to a helmet shows in the u.s and i've been to two overseas one in, in munich and one in dublin and the audience you know, especially in munich that was unique where um i think i i was in the front and uh, enjoying the show and i went to to grab a beverage and i came back literally 15 minutes later and my space was still there i mean it was a sold out show yeah but i like, think the, i'm trying the, to remember the, that one but the respect for it was at the technicum in munich oh, okay and, um, okay 2017 i believe and uh i was amazed how people like they were very respectful of space where in america that space would have been gone as soon as i moved. oh for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's that's just true. a different culture it's a different thing yep. over there you know uh, all right yep. so what uh change it up a little bit what how about um what you've been listening to lately any any new bands that you've been listening to that blow your hair back you want to share with us um well no i mean as far as like new there's a band that's been around for a while that put a new record out like you know last i want to say maybe last summer this band dub trio okay. that uh they've been they toured with us back in like i think 2007 and they just, you know, I just became buds with the guys. They're just a really, really cool, unique band. And they're, it's, you know, it's instrumental. They don't have a, a singer, but they'll have guest guest musicians. They have, like, they've had Patton do a couple songs. And the, on the last record, they had uh, Buzzo from the Melvins on a song and Troy from Mastodon. So they, they'll have some guest speakers, as you, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, their their music is just, they're they're always doing something new there's no band that sounds like them they just are they're incredible so uh, that's like as far as like a newer stuff 
other than that, I, you know, I, I keep going backwards instead of, you know, I, I keep getting into older stuff. A lot of new stuff just hasn't grabbed me. You know what I mean? It's kind of, I need I'm to be shown. I, I haven't found it, you know? <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, again, I'm a big fan of, of, of is a really young youth movement going on right now. And even if yeah. they're not my favorite genres, you know, like the big heart, the big thing now is like kind of this indie surf rock vibe, real mellow and not okay. like Dick Dale surf rock vibe that we, we're, we might be used to, but, um, right. There's a couple of bands uh, that I'm going to get to. There's a band from Atlanta called Lunar Vacation who used to be former students of mine, but there's another band that's doing really well out of Chicago called Beach Bunny. And, um, I, it's just nice to see younger bands like the pendulum's kind of shifting for me in yeah. my opinion you know coming from where you know everybody would just get out their garage band and hit a button and say oh look i'm an artist to now you've got kids getting in vans getting on the road picking they're up actually playing instruments and stuff yeah, and, not and, just... and, right and influencing gener a new generation of younger kids to play you know and i teach uh rock band and middle school students and they're 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 listening right. to all these bands and they're starting to turn me on to newer bands and i'm like this is great you know it's uh that's cool it's a it's well yeah a i'm glad thing. that it's glad to hear that you know rock and roll isn't dead you know what i mean even yeah, though it's not I, as it's not as prominent as it was when we were you know when we were younger you know what i mean like you, you would hear it on the radio and that was the popular music it wasn't like all this other bullshit that's going on that like, i got i can't even wrap my head around all this you know yeah. most of the popular music this these days is just garbage in my opinion yeah yeah well it's you know it's it's uh it's different you know using using technology to make music and then using live instruments and there's that whole debate you know what is artistry and those kind of things i, I just love to see people utilizing their talents and, and playing an <clears throat> instrument you know and, and absolutely and, um, it's you know that's and not to knock you know electronic music and all those other things i mean there is a craft to that and that's that does absolutely. take talent but uh it's it's a different day and age, isn't it? It's not quite the uh, the early rock and roll days that uh, that we remember. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so so That's many true. shows. And, and, and are you doing any other projects right now on the side? What what are you doing? You know, besides you know, comedy? I haven't. Not I haven't. You know, once my once my daughter was born, I kind of I I had some stuff that I was doing for you know when I first joined Helmet, I had another little side thing that I was doing. It was kind of, and it was di totally different. You know, it was more of a, more electronic. It was like, I don't even know what you would call it. It was like kind of imp imp loosely improv, like um, just like kind of like, um, you know, samples and like, it was electronic for sure. Kind of dubby, kind of, uh, you know, meat beat manifesto. He just kind of live yeah. drums. And then my buddy, John, would do uh you know he had a, a whole synth rig and he was doing all kinds of shit over there and we would we had stuff that you know we had songs that were like i said just kind of a loose jazz vibe where we had themes and we just vamp on those and you know it's all about communication while we were playing and it was it was fun you know but then after uh you know he moved he moved to denver and i had a kid and oh wow yeah, yeah. she's uh I mean, it's a, it's it's what I when I'm not doing the the band thing, I'm pretty much Mr. Mom here at home. So, it's great. I love it. It's definitely a, something that I some surprise myself all the time. You know, that I never thought I'd be able to to handle it or be a good dad, but it's turning out pretty good. It's the best thing I've ever done. So, you know, it's yeah. definitely I'm uh, being a parent is it's tough, but it's awesome. Is your daughter picked up any drumsticks yet or any hope for that? Or what do you think? I mean, I've, she definitely, yeah, she'll, she'll sit behind the kid every once in a while. She's just, 
she doesn't. I don't think it's like anything she really is, wants to be serious about. But you never yeah, know. Right. I've I've exposed her to all kinds of music, piano, just everything, and just seeing what she gravitates towards. She loves music. She loves to sing and dance more than play instruments right now. But uh, she's definitely she's more of a visual artist. She's really into drawing and painting and doing all that kind of stuff. So we're just we're rolling with that, you know, just encouraging her to do whatever she wants to do. Well, that's so funny because, you know, I see you every now and then at, at a show, the home show and say, hey, we never get into in-depth talking. I think I talked to you guys for a little while yeah. in Dublin, which was nice and it was a nice hang. But uh, yeah, I, that's that's great uh, that you have a daughter and your family man now. And uh, it's good to know that you can still do what you're passionate about and be a family man, too. So congrats on that. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, um, it's two different worlds completely, but it's good to have the the uh, the blend <laughs> for sure. Other than yeah. uh, other than music and drumming, you know what what else are you passionate about? You got other hobbies and things that you that you feel strongly about. We we uh, talk about those things on our soapbox here on the program. If there's something you want to share or, or something you like to do, uh, yeah, you know, music's basically my. That's what I kind of put myself in. You know, I mean, I like I follow you know sports too. I like football and baseball, but as far as hobbies or anything it's it's all it's you know i just kind of music i play i try to play guitar i try to play piano you know i try to do other instruments and learn other things but it's i don't you know as far as other hobbies yeah i don't really i used to i play golf every now and again you know but that's hard to it's hard to find time to do that and it's expensive and it's hard to find people to do it with but yeah how's your that's fun but it's mostly mostly just music, you know. I don't have any right. other, I'm nothing that I would I, I really uh, I, I gravitate towards, you know. Right. I on. like to gamble. Um, <laughs> there <you> go. There <laughs> I like that too. That's that's fun, a sport, you know? right? That's a. That's I guess a, so. What are yeah. your teams? What are your what are your uh, sports teams? What do, who do you follow? Well, since I'm from Wisconsin, I'm a I'm a uh, Green Bay Packer guy, and I'm a Milwaukee Brewers for baseball. So. Nice. Those are my two, my two, uh, you know, main sports that I follow. And uh, yeah, I love, I'm excited for the, for the new, the upcoming baseball season here. You know, our team has gotten better over the past few years. So we're, we've, uh, we've been in the playoffs the past two years. Hopefully we can make another run at it and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I want to go back before we, I got a couple more questions for you. I want to go back to the drumming thing. Um, yeah about you creating once you got a chance to um create some new parts you know for for new helmet songs uh what was yeah. that like and um was, what was that transition like or was, was that pretty refreshing to do is that challenging do you have certain guidelines or are you, you, you is it pretty comfortable with your role what you can do in those situations when you're writing with page and whatnot it was definitely different writing with helmet was different than uh a different experience than than uh, what I was used to in the past, just because you know it's P- Page is you know he's running the show, so I'm trying to make him happy with what I'm doing, you know. So right. you know he was he was really cool and easy to work with, and you know he he you know wants you to contribute and have your own ideas, but at the end you know he still had yeah. kind of has a say at the end of the day. So you know there sometimes he'd like what I was doing, sometimes he'd shoot down some ideas, but that's just kind of that's how it goes, you know, and we just, we, we figured out, especially with this last record, we kind of, we were figuring a lot of it out in the studio, you know, there wasn't Mm -hmm. a whole lot of time to sit on the material so much. So 
right. that was what I wasn't as used to. Usually I'm used to having everything like super well rehearsed and everything is where it's supposed to be, you know, and, and so when you get in the studio, it's just bam, you, you knock it out. And this time, this last one, the, the first record I did with Helmet was more like that. We put a, you know, we did a bunch of rehearsing and everything was, we did it, we kind of recorded in chunks. The same with the last one too, but it just seemed a little looser than mm-hmm. uh, before, which was, which was fun. It's just, it was different for, it was di- a different way to work from what I was used to. So, but, yeah. Do you ever hear uh, from Paige as an inside joke with, with Paige that we talked about before? Do you ever get any guidelines like less symbols? Well, we, he, has, he has a thing against, you know, <laughs> as you know. Oh, yeah, he hates, he hates my symbol. Yeah, I know all that. He just yeah. hates symbols in general, you know, he, he thinks to, from what I hear from him. So, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any guidelines. Any specific no, he didn't. Like I mean, that. he's – no, he was never – you know, he wants – he just wants it to sound – it's all about playing – like, that's my main – my main – objective is to play for the song you know and i mean i'm not trying to right. show off or be you know any you know self-serving i just want to i want the what i play to be right for the whatever the music calls for you know so if it um you know if i just have to lay back and play the same thing over and over then I'll, i will if it suits the song right you know what i mean yeah and that's all and about doing- it's all about playing for the that's what i think a lot of drummers maybe don't get or you know they they try to overplay and just try to show off and like the most like the most important thing is to to lay it down and play for the music you know don't play for yourself play for play for the 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 group as a whole you know that's what makes it good definitely serve the song and and you're definitely doing a great job of that i mean your tenure with the band is going great and uh going back a long time ago i read years ago when i was a kid bobby blotzer from rat believe it or not oh yeah the blots. you'll get the furthest in the business playing simple that's one lesson that he learned early on you know and i've got yep. i tell my kids my rock band kids i teach in nashville you know uh you know they want to they want to throw down and, and they're young you know we're talking fifth grade sixth grade kids and that one kid yeah uh that, that can really throw down but i'm just trying to hey you, you let's let's work on serving the song you can there's there's times to yep. throw down and there's times not to so but um yeah, I know you. You've done a great job with that. Obviously, uh, Paige is pleased. The guys are pleased. You guys are gelling really well, well together as a band. So, is that is that refreshing though? You know that you remember when you've like, ah, oh, I don't have to, and I've learned all the John Stanier parts. I have to learn now. I can do my own thing. Or was it all at the same time? Or you know, how did that work? Did you were you working on new material at the same time that you were still learning the old songs? Or no, no. But I mean, the the first few years I, when I joined in two thousand six, we didn't put out a. We weren't start, we didn't start working on new stuff till 2009 so I had like the first couple of years was just you know e- e- yeah it wasn't like I got thrown you'd learn everything all at once you know we would learn a wreck kind of learn this record and then you know we did the meantime thing and the Betty thing so that was you know but yeah it was uh when the new stuff was it was cool to be able to put my own you know kind of my own stamp on on the helmet stuff you know it was def- it was i was nervous at first you know but once you get in there and you just kind of just do it just like you always kn- knew how to do it you know yeah that had to be refreshing and exciting yeah it was absolutely it was cool i mean i was i was when we did the first record there when i did my first record with uh helmet seeing eye dog it was just like i was pumped to to that's when i felt like i was really you know i made it be a part of the band kind of thing you know yeah that's excellent. Um, what's coming up here on the Music Horizon? I know the big the big announcements of these big shows with uh, 
with Corn and Faith No More. Tell us a little bit about that real quick. Yeah, well, we're going to first. We're going to uh, Japan and Australia, New Zealand in May, mm-hmm. and then we get back from that at the end of May, and we yeah, we're doing these two stadium shows in LA with Corn and Faith No More, and I think System of a Down and some other, yeah. maybe another couple bands, and so those are going to be big and big fun shows. And then in uh, at the end of August, beginning of September, we're going out with Corn and Faith No More for like three weeks to do a bunch of shows in the states with them so that'll be fun it's like uh you know like an arena tour so it'll be fun to do that kind of thing you know we only have to play for like 40 minutes a night so it's it's gonna be an easy easy day's work compared to the the anniversary show where we're playing like two two and a half hours every night so well yeah yeah, it's gonna be fun well, the hard part I'm might pumped. be p- picking picking those songs, you know, from that that vast library that you guys have. You know, what we got to yeah. pick forty minutes of this material. You know, that's that's going to be maybe the the only challenge that you have. Yeah, well, Paige is pretty good with that. He always makes the set every every night, and uh, I'm sure we'll just be you know hitting him with the hits for the most part. And you know, since it's going to be the the corn faith no more kind of crowd, it's you know you want to yeah. You want to be giving them some stuff to chew on, you know what I mean? Yeah, the heavy, heavy, hard. We're not going to be doing a Beatles cut. We're not going to be doing our Beatles cut. <laughs> You're not? Oh, come <laughs> on. Um, I don't think so. Are we allowed <laughs> to mention that? Are we? Can we keep that on here? Is that already out that you guys are doing the tour with them and everything? Because I know. About yeah, the yeah, no, they, they, yeah, they just uh, they they just announced it last week, so it's uh, okay, it's great. out there. All right, yeah, we get green light. Um, how how yeah. can people keep up with uh, Kyle? What, how can people keep up with you and, and what you're doing? What's uh, you on social media platforms? I know you have an Instagram account, but what? Yeah, you know? just I mean, I Instagram is kind of my only thing. I'm on there, uh, just kind of putting out, you know, whenever we do, you know, tour stuff. For the most part, I don't really spend that much time on there. But um, yeah, other than that, that's I don't know. There, I don't really have like a website or any other kind of any other kind of stuff i don't do too much of the the social media business you know what i mean yeah right on man well kyle thank so you just come out and see me at the shows you know <laughs> yeah for sure yeah and you guys are great about that too anybody that hasn't been to a helmet show yet you really should and the guys that are just great um to come out and talk to the people and spend some time with the fans and it's just nice to see that level down to earth uh you know you don't get that with a lot of pants you know yeah people man get, well, people, they... get, people get whisked whisked away in their limos right away after a lot of shows and that's <laughs> that's not the case yeah. for you guys you guys stay and spend time with the fans and that's awesome absolutely yeah man well that's why we're here right for sure if it um, wasn't for the fans we wouldn't be still doing it so you got to take time and let them know you appreciate it too for sure. Right on. Well, Kyle, yeah. thanks so much for uh, being our first guest here on Sunday Music Soapbox, man. We really all right, man. I hope it, it. I hope it went well. I hope you don't have to <laughs> erase it and start all over, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. We look forward to seeing you on the road again and, and maybe perhaps in the studio again with Helmet and other projects. And uh, best of luck. To yeah, you. absolutely, man. Good to talk to you, too. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Later. This concludes our first episode of Sunday Music Soapbox. We hope you enjoyed listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Sunday Music Soapbox, where you can find pictures and video pertaining to episodes. Also, feel free to email us at Sunday Music Soapbox, all one word, at gmail.com for comments, suggestions, praise, or anything else. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for episode two coming soon.